Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan, and over there is Matt. It's the week 11 edition of the DLF Dynasty podcast, and we're going to continue with our transaction theme. I know a lot of trade deadlines guys have passed, so I thought we'd spend the opening couple minutes talking about trade deadlines and how you, as first of all, as commissioners, like to approach the deadline. Is this the right time of the year? There are leagues out there, Ryan, that don't have a trade deadline because it's dynasty. What are your overall feelings on on the trade deadline for your dynasty leagues? Yeah, my my leagues do have a trade deadline. It was actually this week, so it was it was the uh, the Thursday kickoff uh, in week eleven, and I, I kind of use that as uh kind of an ending point for the season in that the teams that are uh, teams that are preparing to leave the leagues I just want to protect them from uh, I guess I want to protect the league from uh, any any type of trading that might happen uh, as far as selling out to make a big run so because of that I'm in favor of a trade deadline the only wrinkle on that is, I could see having a, a soft trade deadline, and if you want to trade, you would have to go ahead and pay for the next season and, and make that commitment to stay in the league. Yeah, that's become a little bit more popular. I've heard of that in recent years. Matt, let's bring in you uh, to talk about the same thing. You're a commissioner as well. First, welcome. And secondly, what are your thoughts of um, being a commissioner and trying to run that trade deadline? Yeah, I prefer trade deadlines too. I, I might have mine a little bit later than Ryan's, usually the start of week 13, just to give you know that, that last last push right before the playoffs actually hit. Uh, and, and I typically have gone to requiring owners if they want to trade their first round picks, future first round picks to requiring paying for the following year. So that's how I protect it a little bit instead. Uh, but I, I like the trade deadline. I think that deadlines spur action in, in a lot of cases. Uh, whether it is selling out to go for it or giving these other uh, rebuilding teams, you know, opportunities to to allow those 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 contenders to really sell out and help the the, the non contenders in the future. So I like the deadlines, and actually I, I keep them uh, the deadline closed. Uh, I guess the no transaction period closed longer than most. I, I, I typically leave it till after the NFL season is over rather than just opening up once the playoffs, uh, the fantasy playoffs end. So I like to give a little bit of a, a break there and uh, space it out a little bit. Sure. I, I kind of fall right between you guys. In my leagues, it's actually right at the kickoff of week 12. I think it probably depends on 
on when your playoffs start in your specific league. I prefer that it be a couple of weeks to, like you were saying, create that deadline, make teams make that decision of whether they are in or whether they are out. Um, and, and I agree that 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 deadline creates a lot of action, certainly has in my leagues in the last few days as, as that deadline approaches. Let's flip it over to an owner's philosophy, Matt. So, so you're running a team, you're, you're trying to make that move. Any specific advice for those that are, are getting real close to that trade deadline? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's advice, but what I, I, I tend to always be, be overly aggressive if I have a team that is clearly a playoff team and, and you know, trying that to, to keep up with that arms race that sometimes happens at the end of the season. So once we get to that point, if I haven't already moved my next year's first, it's certainly a time where I'm, I don't know, I'm thinking about doing it for the right piece. So it just kind of depends on your mindset and how aggressive you want to be in going for the title this year versus uh, you know, saving that, those future assets for, for, for following years. Uh, I, I like to, if I, if I win, a, win the this year i don't care if i don't win it the next year or two personally so um i like to go for it right now and be a little bit more aggressive uh, and, and that definitely hurts me in, in in a lot of leagues so i'm not saying that's that's the move for everybody kind of depends on your risk tolerance but for me i want to be aggressive at this time of year yeah i'm usually on the aggressive side of things as well ryan i've seen you do a lot of both actually there are times when you're aggressive and really go for it and there's other times i've seen you uh, set back and take the future of of a trade when you could have the opportunity to win a league or or maybe should have the opportunity. Uh, are you, am I reading you correctly? Or are you, it really depends on the situation or how you feel that day? Yeah, it, it's funny you say that because as you as you asked the question and as Matt answered, I was thinking about my own opinion and I was kind of flipping back and forth. So I, I don't know if it's a, a gut feel thing or. Uh, just a case by case basis, but I have played it both ways. I I have feel like I have been aggressive at times, uh, giving up future assets that um, that I typically, you know, I would probably say overvalue. But I think the majority of the time, I, I mostly sit back and you know, kind of go with the team that that I have. If there if there are veterans out there that I think can go straight into my lineup and I can acquire them cheaply without giving up. Uh, especially those early uh, future draft picks, first or second rounders, then then I'm going to do that. If if you can get Larry Fitzgerald for a third rounder or something like that, obviously those are moves you make. But um, I, overall, I do try to protect that future draft capital. Yeah, you know, as a guy who's played in a lot of leagues with you and seen you play on both sides of it, I'd, I'd say uh, going with your gut, like you said there, has, has treated you pretty good. That's probably pretty good advice, I think. I think my best advice is to take an honest look at where your roster sits. Try to try to look at it from the outside in rather than overvaluing your assets and try to try to look at your real chances of making that playoff run or that championship run before deciding which side of the fence to be on. But more than anything, no matter which side you decide or even if you're sitting squarely in the middle of the fence, be active. You, you can't make a trade or decline a trade without inquiring, finding out, reading that email that comes from my fantasy league that says these are the guys that are on the trade block. Don't ignore those. Uh, when you see those names, certainly ask about them because you never know when that right deal will strike. We're going to give the weekly friendly reminder that this is a Sunday evening recording right before Sunday night football kicks off. So we're not going to have any of the Sunday night or Monday night analysis once again. 
And uh, like we have every other week, we are going to start with Thursday night where the Steelers were beat by the Browns, Matt, 21-7. to You had this game. Who do we want to highlight in this one? Yeah, let's let's talk about Mason Rudolph, guys, because he's he's not the answer. Twenty three of forty four, one touchdown, four interceptions. Uh, obviously, a, a, a terrible thing happened at the end of the game to him. We're gonna we're not gonna really talk about that. Uh, but uh, you know, he he's he's shown that he's kind of a low ceiling quarterback too. I think future. And, and what I, what I really think is the main point here is that. Ben Roethlisberger is taking this team back next year, right? Like this is not going to be Mason Rudolph's team. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll have an opportunity to compete for it again in the future or compete for a starting job at another team in the future. But I think for for 2020, unless Ben's health just gets him again, I think uh, uh, he's going to cede this team back to to Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, if there's still some believers out there, I want to go ahead and get out in Superflex leagues in the Trade Finder. He has gone all over the map from a 2021st uh, multiple times. He's gone for 2020 seconds and thirds, 2021 first and Sternberger. Uh, I'm ready to get out for pretty much all of these prices. I would rather not move him for a single third, uh, but if I really thought that I couldn't get anything else out of him, I might consider that or at least ask for two thirds, something like that. But any anything of a second round value and higher uh, for a 2020 pick, I'm taking and getting out on Rudolph right now. Yeah, I probably am as well. Uh, I have him in a few places. I I fell victim of reading the tea leaves like a, I think a lot of dynasty owners probably did. And Ryan, I'm going to bring you in on this as well. I, you know, I thought when the Steelers lost Big Ben and then traded that future first round pick with an 0-2 record for Minka Fitzpatrick, I thought that meant that front office, that coaching staff really, 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 really believed in Mason Rudolph and thought they had their future starter already in on their roster and, and going into their starting lineup, that doesn't appear to be the case at this point. We've we've watched all those checkdowns and and that coaching staff handle him with kid gloves. It really feels to me like they're doing their best to hide his deficiencies and that like Matt said, it's gonna be Big Ben once again and they they may still be looking for their quarterback of the future. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Rudolph and, and are you as willing to get out like Matt is? Yeah, I, I am for sure. And uh, I, I do agree with you though. What we what we heard out of Pittsburgh and, and what we saw with the moves they were making, it it did show that they had confidence in Rudolph and um, I, I don't think that's us reading the situation wrong. I think maybe that's them reading the player wrong or, or overvaluing uh, his, his ability. Um, you know, kind of overshadowed in everything that happened at the end of that game was, was simply how, how poorly Rudolph played. Um, I, I think Matt mentioned it, four interceptions. And um, I mean, that, that stands out as probably his worst game of the year, but he, he simply has not been good at all this year. I, I don't think, I, I believe he has one QB one finish, one top 12 finish on the season. Um, so yes, getting out while you can in a super flex league. I can't believe people are trading first rounders for him. I would, I would happily take a second rounder. Before we move on guys, I want to lump Kyle Allen of the Panthers into this conversation and, and kind of gauge the market on him. It, it really feels like with his afternoon on Sunday that that he put a lot of the same kind of things on film. Now, he started hot, of course, and had a lot of dynasty owners pretty excited about his upside in the long term. But over the last couple of weeks, things have gone south, Ryan. Are we feeling the same way about Allen? Is it time to move on in these super flex leagues, or are we going to be a little more patient with him? 
I would be moving on throughout the the whole time that Allen has has taken this job. I've uh, I have not viewed him as as the twenty twenty starter. I don't think uh, I don't think that's been locked in by any means. Even with the Cam Newton rumors, uh, and and even if they end up moving on from Cam Newton, releasing him or trading him, whatever might happen, uh, I, I still don't think Allen is is the definite starter there. So uh, for me, Allen's value is even lower because his, his ceiling is even lower. I, I would take a third rounder for him. Yeah. Basically bump it down around. I, I can't believe you would get a, a second rounder for Kyle Allen. Yeah. Looking at the trade finder, there are a few of those types of draft picks where you see uh, that, that second round pick being swapped for Kyle Allen. Um, other like quarterback swaps and things like that, even in those two quarterback leagues, um, adding to Kyle Allen to get to Dwayne Haskins, those kind of deals are happening. So over the last couple of weeks, there there have been some owners that are that are pretty excited about his upside. Matt, are you, are you feeling like just like with Mason Rudolph, we need to move on from Allen? I, I, I would definitely move on for a second. I don't think I would move on for a third. I actually feel a little bit better about his future value than I do Rudolph's. And, and maybe that's completely wrong since Ryan feels the opposite way. But it just seems like if if they're going to move on from Cam Newton, they're not going to have a high enough draft pick to really go after one of the, the rookie quarterbacks now, especially now that there's one less with the Tua injury. So I just I don't know who else it would be unless they're going to go out and you know grab a Case Keenum or a, a Flacco or something like that. And I'm not sure that that's really, uh, uh, an upgrade over what Allen has to offer, and he's certainly a lot cheaper than those guys. So uh, I do think he has a chance to at least be, uh, you know, be in the running for that job in Carolina. If for some reason they decide to bring Cam Newton back, obviously that's all shot. But everything is pointing to him moving on. And if that's the case, then it, it's hard to see another option for Carolina right now. So I would definitely get out for a second, but I don't think I would take a third for him. Speaking of moving on, we are going to move on to the Jaguars and the Colts. I had this one, guys, and there was a pretty obvious guy to talk about, somebody that kind of came out of the woodwork and, and maybe dusted dusted off the old legs and, and the feet, uh, somebody that we haven't talked a lot about in the last couple of years, and that's Jonathan Williams, the former Buffalo Bills running back that so many dynasty owners loved back when he was in Buffalo and filling in and, and looked like he might be the answer at the running back position in Buffalo. Of course, since then, he's been waived by the Bills and added to New Orleans and on a couple of practice squads. He resurfaced again in Week 11 with the Colts, 13 carries, 116 yards, also caught a pass for 31 yards in what, what really was his debut. He did have a couple of late-game carries last week. Following the Marlon Mack injury this week, guys, uh, Mack, of course, left the game with that broken hand. It's it, it's been reported that it's a fractured hand. Um, he looked pretty good. Jordan Wilkins was inactive with his ankle injury. Naheem Hines vultured a touchdown from Jonathan Williams, but he only had three carries for 11 yards, and, and it's pretty clear that that coaching staff sees him as just a pass catcher. He had four targets, caught three for 24 yards. These reports, as I said, suggest Mack is going to be out at least week 12, maybe even beyond them. It seems to me in this offense, Ryan, Williams is a priority add and a guy that could fill in as a running back two or at the very least a flex play in the short term. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, we, we've had plenty of guys throughout the season that 
we've suggested going all in on and uh, this Williams would just be the latest if whatever you have left in your uh, in your fab budget at this point I would spend it all on Jonathan Williams uh, based on the usage and, and the production we saw today along with of course the the injury to Marlon Mack you know, really, really no speculation for how long he'll be out. But um, I would think I would think it would be at least what the next two, three, four weeks. So um, Williams looks like he's going to be a locked in starter in that offense. Yeah. And the Colts first and second down running back typically gets 12 plus carries and, and is a featured part of that offense usually has that goal line role. And if that's what we're looking at with Jonathan Williams, as long as Brissett is under center and that offense is moving the football, Jonathan Williams is a guy we're going to want in our lineups. Matt, what are your thoughts on Williams? Were you a fan back then when he was a hot dynasty commodity? And how about now? I was a fan back then. I was a fan when he was on the saints, especially. And, uh, I, I like the ad this week. I have nothing to really add there. I'm just really sad that Marlon Mack got hurt because he was about to have a gigantic game and look really good and all that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Go ahead and spend everything on Jonathan Williams because Hines, Hines isn't going to be that feature guy, and Wilkins is questionable with his ankle injury too. So, uh, And they have one of the best offensive lines in the, the game. Maybe Quentin Nelson will, will still steal another touchdown here and there. He, I don't think he actually got in there, but that was a, a fun play they ran with their center. Um, uh, but yeah, I like adding Jonathan Williams for basically whatever you have left, if if you have anything left. I wish I had saved my money that I used uh, on Brian Hill last week on Jonathan Williams this week. Yeah, Brian Hill, Ty Johnson has been one of them that have burned us. Uh, you know, as a Mac owner in multiple places, at least we got the 14 carries. We got 109 yards and the touchdown. Uh, it wasn't an early game injury that took him out uh, like we've seen a couple of times this year. Let's move on to the Bills and the Dolphins, Ryan. Who do we have here? Yeah, I want to look at Devin Singletary here. Um, today in that game, rushed um, 15 times, had a total of 79 yards, in- including a few uh, a few receiving and honestly, I wasn't sure which way I wanted to go with Singletary as far as suggesting to buy or sell him. Uh, looking back over the past three weeks, he's been the RB12 that was entering this week. So uh, certainly has been a little bit of a hot name uh, in the Dynasty community because of that. In our latest ADP, he's up to RB25, uh, which is the highest point he's been so far. So definitely feels like a player uh whose value has been on the rise. So when I get confused about, or or uncertain, I guess, about where a player's value really lies, I go to the DLF trade finder, which I think is one thing that makes it a great resource. Check that out and and kind of see what are people really paying for him. And I found out why I'm confused because it's all over the board. There are several deals where he's being valued uh, as not quite an elite um, player, but certainly a very safe player trades like Singletary, a first and a second for Alvin Kamara. Uh, there was another one of Singletary and Joku and a second David and Joku and a second rounder for Mike Evans. So in, in if that's the case and pe- you find people in your league that are valuing him and willing to give up a, a top 10 or 12 player overall, for Singletary and and some pieces, then obviously I would be selling. 
There's other deals uh, just made within the past few days that I thought were too low. Singletary for two second rounders. Singletary in a second for Chris Carson. So kind of like me, it seems like the dynasty community is is kind of on both sides of Devin Singletary's value. So I wanted to see what where you guys are with him right now. You know, I've I've struggled with him just like you, and, and his value seems to be up and down, even even in my uh, opinion, from from week to week and even day to day sometimes it feels. And I think it all stems from the offseason when we were considering all these prospects and, and we were watching Devin Singletary at the Combine and, and you know, the disappointing numbers that we saw and the, the predictions that he'd fall in the draft and all those things kind of are in the back of our minds as dynasty owners. And then in the preseason, he started putting things on film that made us open our eyes and, and maybe even drop some jaws from time to time. And, and, and that, that imbalance, the, the information that we're getting both past and and more recent is creating that, that feeling of, of, of uneasiness when trying to value him as far as, having him on my rosters and things like that. He's, he's a guy I'd gladly have. I, I wasn't investing. I don't think any of us necessarily were in the off season all that much. And it like some of those trades you mentioned there, Ryan, I'm, I'm certainly not willing to pay up to go get Devin Singletary and a, and a first to, and, and giving Kamara or anything like that. Th- those types of trades. Um, if you can find that those, those other deals where you're, you're given a second and a third, I think you said, or a couple of seconds. That seems like a, a nice price to get a guy with some upside in an offense that looks ready to hand that primary role over to the young guy. This is pretty cut and dry for me. If I can get a first, I'm out. And if I can't, then I'll, I'll keep him. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, there, there, it seems like there's at least 15 rookies that, depending on landing spot, I could like more than Singletary. And, and even though his situation is on the rise, I just, I think I would rather go that way. So give me a first, you can have him. If not, then I'll keep him. You know, we always expect coaches to make the right decision. And in this case, it doesn't feel like that coaching staff in Buffalo is making the correct one. You look at Devin Singletary's touches, and I know he's come off the injury here in recent weeks, but they're pretty comparable to Frank Gore. And and as much as we've all liked having Frank Gore on our fantasy teams over the years, there's a lot of 9 for 34, 11 for 15, 5 for 12, 11 for 27 yards against Miami in week 11. Those type of stat lines, and, and it just makes you scratch your head and say, wow, you know, you you got this young guy, Devin Singletary, who's opening eyes and, and looks to be the next big thing in your backfield. He, in fact, is is spouting off some nice runs and, and, and making highlight-type plays. Um why have why aren't we seeing them them focus in on Singletary? So you know it, it feels as a dynasty owner, Ryan, like we should be buying because that breakout is, seems inevitable. It seems like at some point they have to uh, really shine the spotlight on Singletary and what he can do in that offense if big, if he's given a bigger bigger role. I just don't know if I trust that coaching staff to do it. Let's move on to the Falcons and the Panthers for the second straight week, Matt. The Falcons looked like a capable team and a pretty good defense. Who do we want to talk about in this blowout where the Falcons won 29-3? to 
Yeah, what a what a weird team, man. I don't I don't know what is happening with them. Uh, they, it seems like they're enjoying playing the spoiler role, though, especially with these in uh, these divisional matchups. Uh, but I want to talk about a guy that's going to replace Greg Olson, hopefully in twenty twenty, and that's Ian Thomas. Nothing today, one target, no catches. Uh, last year he was 36, uh, 36 catches on forty nine targets for three hundred thirty three yards and two touchdowns in his rookie season when Olson was hurt, uh, and Olson stayed healthy this year. So. So Thomas really hasn't had much of an opportunity, unfortunately. But uh, I, I do think that it, even if it is not 2020 that also moves on, you know, it, the, the end is coming. And I think t- Thomas is a talented player uh, that's going to be able to to uh, be a productive player in that offense as the third target in that passing game, uh, you know, obviously outside of McCaffrey. Maybe the fourth target, I guess, if you're including McCaffrey in that. So uh, whether it's Allen, whatever quarterback is, I think he's going to be a reliable target for them. Uh, right now in the trade finder, he's basically a throw-in. You know, he's gone for a 2023rd multiple times and if I'm a let's say I'm a competitor right now and I'm starting somebody like Jared Cook every week where I'm, I'm happy with what I have right now or maybe even it's Greg Olson uh, and I can go out and throw my late 2023rd at a guy like Ian Thomas uh, to kind of help secure the future of that position for my squad then I'm happy to go do that for him. Matt it seems to me like there's probably an Ian Thomas fan in in most leagues M- most of us have seen the the upside you know he had that run late last season uh where he's getting a lot of playing time because of the injury to Olsen um but a lot of the times it seems like the guy that owns Ian Thomas is that guy in your league uh and and he's it seems like he's overvalued in the leagues where I've asked about him or anything like that because I've been a fan as well. I've sold him a couple times in the last year. I bought him a couple times as well. Uh, it's nice to get him for for a future third, but um, that that's not an easy deal to pull off for sure. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They outlasted the Detroit Lions, and I want to talk about a player that was on both of these teams at one point in his career. He was drafted by the Cowboys, but made an appearance for the Lions on Sunday. Bo Scarborough, 14 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. He did not have a target as a pass catcher, however. He's another ad this week, potentially. Now, a lot of us got duped by Ty Johnson a few weeks ago and spent a boatload of what was left of our fab budget. Uh, He came through to the tune of two carries for six yards and one catch for no yards on Sunday, playing uh, kind of second fiddle to Scarborough. Um, It's obvious that Detroit doesn't trust Johnson or even J.D. McKissick to have a big role. McKissick maybe as a passing down, change of pace guy, Ty Johnson, uh, for for a rest from time to time. Seemed like Scarborough was was featured, especially early in that game. Uh, a little later when the when the Lions fell behind, it was a little bit more of McKissick as the pass catcher. Uh, the, the Lions waived Paul Perkins to activate Scarborough. Um, you know, he's a big running back, 6'1", 228, and he's athletic. He's relatively fast for his size. He had a 4.5 240-yard dash and a 40-inch vertical. So he's an athletic guy, powerful for sure. Had a lot of comps to Derrick Henry when he was coming out. Uh, easy comps, of course, because they both played at Alabama. Doesn't have a lot of change of direction to ability. Not necessarily a pass catcher, or at least hasn't shown that in the past, but might have some short-term value, guys. We talked... Just a few minutes ago about Jonathan Williams. If you're not able to afford him, is Scarborough a nice second prize, Ryan? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I mean, we 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 saw 
Scarborough in college. And, and uh, I mean, a lot of people really fell in love with, with what we saw there as in, in the dynasty community. I know playing in Devi leagues, he was, uh, he was a hot name there for a while and, and then just never could break through and, and actually hang on to a roster spot. So kind of by process of elimination, I think we could see him be the, the lions lead back for the rest of the season. The only, the only hesitation for me is I'm not sure that's such a good thing. Uh, I mean, we haven't even really seen carry on Johnson, uh, you know, have, have much success in, in that role earlier in the season before his injury. So, and, and we certainly didn't with Johnson or McKissick for more than uh, a week or so. Um, I mean, this is a team that is, is going to have to throw the ball, whether it's Matthew Stafford coming back or, or Jeff Driscoll. And I just don't know how much we can get. Today's 14 for 55 and a touchdown kind of feels like the ceiling uh, for Scarborough on, on most weeks. But still, that's, that's certainly worth adding from the waiver wire. Yeah, worth adding and and maybe even worth sliding into a flex spot if you really need a guy for a week or two. Um, I'm I'm a little bit leery, of course, as I mentioned, you know, the whole Ty Johnson thing and, and getting duped by those Lions. That Lion coaching staff and, and that front office even, they're, they all adhere to that Patriot way and we've we've all been uh, subject to to Bill Belichick and and how he likes to siphon through those running backs you know that could be happening in it at New England West over there in Detroit there's also the philosophy running maybe back? that Jonathan Williams just had fresh legs they needed to they needed to get that new guy out there and get him some opportunities uh, to run behind that line because nobody else was doing it as we always say, you know, opportunity is the main thing with running backs, Matt. Uh, we're, we we got to follow the touches, and he got him on Sunday. Yeah, I don't mind adding him at all. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to set up your waivers in a way, I, I would definitely uh, prioritize some of the other guys we talked about, like Jonathan Williams over him. But he's a, he's a great consolation, like you said. He's, he's kind of like the running back that Patricia wants, right? Like he brought in LeGarrette Blunt and didn't really work out, but he's similar to LeGarrette Blunt. And they brought in C.J. Anderson, and we don't really know why that didn't stick. But now here we have this big back again that uh, it just kind of seems like this is this is what Patricia wants. Uh, the, the offensive situation, like Ryan mentioned, is, is, is certainly scary. The offensive line is not good. Jeff Griscoll is, you know, he's holding down the fort, but he's not going to really challenge defenses and, and force them to kind of stop the run, uh, to focus on the pass game and let the run game kind of kind of go wild so I think this is kind of a ceiling play but especially in like PPC leagues if you're playing in one of those where you get a quarter point per carry or whatever it is uh you know I think he's he's a, a fine flex option like you mentioned and and PPR straight PPR leagues he's a little, he's a little bit more scarier because if he doesn't get that touchdown you're looking at you know what like four to six points uh, a week so uh but you, for, for a waiver wire ad this late in the season I think you could do a lot worse than having him in the second or third kind of priority for this week yeah, probably not the guy that's going to win you your league, but but might keep you in the in the running for a week or two while you figure out the position if you have some buys and injuries at that position. Ryan, you had the Cardinals who lost to the 49ers 36 to 26. Who do we want to talk about here? I think we have to have a David David Johnson conversation. I know we talked a little bit about him last week after um he just looked looked so terrible. Uh, or in, in their last game, 
we heard some rumors this past week during practice that Kenyon Drake had had basically taken over as the RB1, and we certainly saw that play out on Sunday as David Johnson did not even touch the ball. He did he did play, he did get in the game, but got no touches. Um, and that that strong running game was not so strong today. Uh, Kyler Murray led the way in, in rushing there, and so Drake uh, didn't see a ton of success there either. Obviously, David Johnson's value is fading very fast. Looked up some uh, some recent trades involving him. First of all, he's been uh, he's been traded a ton. I think there were uh, there were over a dozen trades involving David Johnson just from this past weekend. So this is a guy people are taking a stand on. They're either getting out while they can or they're buying low, um, or at least in their mind, they're buying low. I should say. If I have him on my roster, I'm going to look to f- find the guy who thinks he's buying low and, and try to get whatever I can. There are some, there's some really low ones here. David Johnson for a second and a third. Uh, I, I would take that. I certainly don't think you can get, you can get a first rounder at this point. Uh, if you can take it and run, uh, but a second and a third works for me. There, there are some that uh, are still, evidence i guess that people are people are believers um david johnson for david montgomery in a second is kind of comical at this point um david johnson and dawson knox for ty hilton and noah fant that's a slam dunk i mean if if you're getting even one usable guy i think you make the trade if you're getting two like hilton and fant it's it's an easy deal um yeah, a couple couple of others, uh, DJ and Hunter Henry for Aaron Jones. So to me, that he's just being treated as a throw-in in that deal. You know, the the thing that gives me pause, Ryan, is that it, it seems injury related, very yeah. injury yeah. related, and and maybe it's a chronic injury. I don't, I don't think we've seen reports that that point to that or would suggest that to this point, which immediately makes me think back to the playoff run for the Rams and Todd Gurley, a formerly elite running back that that every dynasty owner on the planet wanted on their roster. And then now suddenly there's a lot of hesitation with how, how much you want this guy on your team. Now, Gurley maybe benefited because it, it came right at the end of the season and we weren't directly getting fantasy points from his struggle stretch in, in the NFL playoffs. David Johnson, on the other hand, we're all having to look at him on our bench, uh, watch him run off the side off off from the sideline for one play and pretty much to be a decoy here and there on, on just a handful of plays. I think it was reported that it was four plays. Um, I only saw him on the field one time. And so it makes us all scratch our head and, and see, is this guy washed up? Are, are we, uh, are we seeing the end of David Johnson and, and what he can do? There was a play last week in week 10 against Tampa Bay where he took the ball on the outside and instead of cutting up and, and making a play, he simply just kind of scurried out of bounds and, and it, it just really didn't look good. And, and, you know, one of the things we all loved about David Johnson is he got, he got the, yards in the open field. He got the power yards. He got the goal line work. All those things created this beast, much like Gurley, that now we're questioning. So, you know, thinking back, Ryan, to what our thoughts were on Gurley less than a year ago, how can we 
how can we learn from what we've seen with Gurley and apply that to David Johnson? Well, the, I do think the situations are similar in that there was there was like this panic in the dynasty community that you've got to get this guy off your roster, get whatever you can for him right now. And while that has shown to be maybe overblown, he hasn't really regained very much value. Gurley has not. And outside of touchdown scoring, he hasn't produced. And and I know we, we can't just dismiss that. Obviously he's, he's getting into the end zone and putting up some points, but, um, to me, that does not show that he's back to 2018 form, 2017 form, and, and earlier. It, it shows that there really was reason for concern. And uh, if you sold low, then uh, long-term, I, th- I think that might have been the right thing to do. And, and I still think that with DJ as well. Matt, do you think selling Johnson for, for some of those deals that Ryan mentioned there is the right way to go right now, or or should we be hanging in there waiting for better days? Maybe we have to wait till the beginning of the 2020 season. Uh, Are those days coming for us? It's really hard, man. I, I, I want to think that it's just injury related. He's going to come back in 2020. This, this, this new offense that they're running with their new quarterback is, is going to be, you know, have a whole full year of experience and two off seasons under their belt. And he's going to be able to take advantage of that situation as it improves. But it's, it's really scary to see the bottom fall out like that. Like this last week, Dan, you mentioned that, that play on the sideline there. He just, he just looked like he was running in like concrete almost. It was not the same explosive David Johnson we've come to know. So it's certainly scary. Uh, some of those trades are, I would not be able to get out for though. Like there's one 20, a 2021 third for David Johnson. Like there's no way I could do that. Uh, I don't know if I could even do the second and third two seconds would probably get me there. Uh, but I, I would like to hold if I can, if, if I think I am in position to really compete next year and you know, a future second and a third is not going to really do much for me in terms of helping me compete again next year in terms of what David Johnson could offer to me. I'm probably going to hold uh, certainly going to be out for any first at this point. Uh, but I, I, on a team where I think I am going to be competing in 2020, I, I'd like to try to hold on if I'm not getting a price I'm comfortable with. So uh, I, I'm really on the fence with David Johnson here. The thing with the thing with Johnson this year, even though I mean, there was there was a lot of hype, he was the top five pick in in redraft leagues. In dynasty, we knew he was going to start losing value this year. He turns 28 next month, and no matter how well you're playing or what type of numbers you're putting up, those are things that's something that scares dynasty players. And when, when that, when that number hits, the value starts to fade. So this is, this is really just fast forwarding all of that. I, I, I wonder if it's this easy, you guys, is it, is it so easy? And there's obviously going to be exceptions to this rule. There is to everything, but is it so is it is as easy as saying that as soon as one of these elite stud running backs get the giant second contract, that it's time to just get out because it just seems like every time one of these guys get one of these big contracts and they've had four or five years of, uh, of grind on their bodies now of producing at an elite level, like it's just, they get their money. And, and I'm not saying that their work ethic changes or anything like that, but uh, it seems to be that like four to five year marker where it's just it's if if you're still producing at an elite level maybe it's time to just get out and like we always talk about it's it's better to get out a year early right than a year late uh, especially on these really high value assets that that go in the uh, you know the upper parts of the first round of a startup draft so maybe it maybe it's that easy maybe that's something we need to think about looking into in the future yeah i mean we're 
we're kind of already seeing that with Zeke, certainly not to the same degree as, as Gurley or, uh, or David Johnson, but he got, he got paid. And, uh, I think most people would tell you he's not been, uh, not been as impressive as he has been the past couple of years. Hmm. Something to think about for sure. Matt, let's move on to the Vikings who squeaked one out against the Broncos. Were you, first of all, were you as upset as I was that the Vikings came back and won that? And secondly, who do we want to talk about in this game? Yeah, seriously. What, what the heck Broncos? I mean, well, I can't remember the last year this happened, but it was a long, long time ago. That was just, just incredible and, and sad for the Packers chances of maintaining the divisional lead and all that. Um, but I, I went back and forth on who to talk about here. I want to talk about, I kind of want to talk about both the tight ends, honestly. Let's sell Kyle Rudolph, you guys. Uh, he scored in four, four, four of those last five games, uh, but I don't really want to talk about him. He seems like an easy sell. If I can get out for a second for, for Kyle Rudolph right now to a contender based on what he's done, go ahead and get out. The guy that I really want to talk about, however, is Irv Smith. Uh, three, uh, three targets, three catches today, 20 yards and a touchdown. It seems like uh, th- this, this might be kind of like a lesser version of Ertz and Goddard on our hands here, where we're going to start valuing Irv Smith as that back end or a tight end one, early tight end two, and Rudolph is a veteran that's just kind of in the way but we kind of know the guy behind them is a little is, is, is going to be better once he gets that opportunity and Rudolph might be there again in 2020 but I think now is definitely the time to go out and buy Irv Smith if we can uh trades in the trade finder straight up for Muhammad Sanu Brian Hill in a second Chris Herndon in a second Josh Reynolds and Mike Gusecki so these are all trades that I would be looking to make for this guy again especially if I'm one of these strong contending teams with an older tight end like Olsen or Cook or something like that and if I can go ahead and spend some a little bit of future capital to get a guy like Irv Smith, who's, who seems like he is, is going to be uh, a valuable dynasty tight end in the future once Rudolph moves on. Uh, I, I would like to go ahead and do that and, and buy Irv Smith for those prices. Matt, you mentioned Ian Thomas earlier, and you know maybe I didn't sound that excited about that one. I love this one. Move on, <laughs> Irv Smith. Uh, I already have him on a bunch of teams, so I'm not going to be able to acquire him in very many places. Maybe it's kind of meaningless at this point. Uh, now that we're we're two or three months into the season, but I, I still kind of think about rookie rankings. And I was asked the other day if Irv Smith should now be considered the rookie tight end one for this class. And obviously that uh, involves a conversation of Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Is, is Smith still the third guy for you guys behind those two or, or has he moved up? Is, are they at least in the same tier? I'm one of those guys that think about that throughout the year too, Ryan, and you know try to improve myself because I, I, as well as you, do the rookie rankings and, and I try to you know think back of what I was thinking when I ranked these guys. I think he's still obviously third. I think there is a difference and maybe even a tear break before you get to Irv Smith, but he has closed the gap by a long ways, in my opinion, and he is 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 not that far away from being included in that in that first tier. I actually really like what I've seen from Fant. I think he's improving as the season has gone on. I think if Hawkinson could just hold hold on to touchdowns, we'd be talking about him as a top six tight end in Dynasty already. Um, the drops have gotten to him. I think he'll clear that up. I think there is the chance that we have we have a class of tight ends here that will change the position and make it a lot deeper for dynasty owners going forward, though. The thing is, it's Irv Smith that seems to be the one that is 
attainable or at least cheap enough that you can get him without breaking the bank. I think he, I think he is still three. I think you're right there, but I, I think they're are all in the same tier now. I think he's he's jumped into that tier with Hawkinson and Fant, uh, just based on what he's done. The only thing I think is really separating those guys right now is the fact that he has Rudolph in front of him, and the other two guys are are, are kind of the unquestioned starters on their team. But otherwise, uh, I think he's right there with them. And then the other guy we could mention here, since the Packers on by or coming back from a bye week, Jay Sternberger is healthy. He could enter that conversation as well, so he might be a, a cheap buy target too. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Rudolph scoring, uh, I think it is five touchdowns in the last five games. That's actually a good thing for Irv Smith. You know, that that that's a positive outlook for the future. Rudolph isn't going to be there forever. They're using the tight end. I like that Smith is, is in on that offense week in and week out. His last five weeks, five catches, three catches, four catches, five catches, and three catches again. Now, he never went for more than 60 yards in any of those games and only caught the one touchdown, which came on Sunday against Denver. I still feel like the, the future is really bright, and I think I can speak for the three of us that we all want Irv Smith on our rosters. Let's move to the blowout in Baltimore. It was pegged as the game of the week, the Ravens and Texans, but the MVP of the NFL really shined in this one. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a cheat code. He looks like something off of Madden or some video game that hasn't been invented yet or something like that. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Lamar Jackson because he's not attainable. You can't afford him. Instead, I'll talk to talk about his backfield mate. I think this is the third time we've mentioned Mark Ingram on the season. We talked about Trading deadlines, lots of them have passed. Many have just a couple of days. You'll, you may be listening to this on, on the day of your trade deadline. If Mark Ingram is on your roster, probably no matter where you are in the standings, I say sell him. This is the last call. 13 carries, 48 yards. Not necessarily all that impressive on the ground. Did put up a nice fantasy day because he had those three catches for 37 and two touchdowns, including a really nice catch and run uh, on a longer touchdown out of the flat that he broke a couple tackles. Man, he's got a couple tough matchups against the Rams, 10th best against running backs, fantasy running backs, then the 49ers, their third best, uh, followed by the Bills, Jets, and Browns in the fantasy playoffs. Recent trades, lots of recent trades that I would do in a heartbeat, like the kind of trades where you get a second plus a nice player, a second plus Mike Williams, a second plus Paris Campbell. Are you kidding me? A second plus Brandon Cooks. Lots of other deals. John Brown, MVS, and a 2023rd. Debo Samuel, straight up. Give me Debo. 2021st, twice in the last five days. Paris Campbell, Justice Hill, and a 2023rd. I'm doing all these trades. I don't care if I'm in first place and running away with the league and Mark Ingram is my running back one. I'm doing every single one of those trades, guys. Let's move on to the Patriots and the Eagles. The Patriots and Eagles was a snore fest, especially in the second half, guys. No scoring in the last, I think they said 25 minutes. I, I turned it off to go watch the Bengals and the Raiders. What? <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Ryan, you had this game and had to go through the misery of watching it to find somebody to talk about. Who is it? Yeah, this this was another one. Uh, you mentioned earlier the the Texans and Ravens. This was another one that people were looking forward to uh, in this week, and it didn't really uh, didn't really pay off. It was it was a tough watch. Uh, but what I took away was we saw the debut of Nikhil Harry. He was the one. Uh, 
101, 102, uh, at least a top three pick in almost every dynasty rookie draft and, and obviously has dealt with some injuries and has not played this year until today. Came away with three catches for 18 yards on four targets, which to me is a great thing because one, they did get him involved, but two, he didn't didn't really flash. So there is still a little bit of a buy window. Obviously, the, the best time to buy was a month ago, six weeks ago, when um, when he was kind of rotting on, on fantasy benches and, and maybe those dynasty owners were getting frustrated. But we do still have quite a few trades that um, that I think I would pay for Nikhil Harry. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and a first-rounder for Harry. Uh, Dan, this, this one's just for you. Calvin Ridley for Nikhil Harry and um, an IDP player. I don't know about IDP players, so I can't really comment. Uh, but how are you valuing Harry versus Ridley at this point? Oh man, they're close. Yeah, I, you know, I, they're they they might be side by side in a lot of people's rankings. Um, I think I'm probably holding the guy I have, or or maybe taking the guy I have less of. Um, and in this case, I guess that would be Harry because I have, have <laughs> Calvin Ridley everywhere. Uh, it, I, I still am very excited about Calvin Ridley and his upside. I really wish the Falcons would have lost a couple more games and we could get a new coaching staff in place and see how that all shakes out. I, like you, though, am really excited about Harry's upside um, and and maybe even excited about it in the short term. It, it seems like they're bringing him along slowly, but there's the potential for him to make an impact on the stretch here this season which is what we all expect out of Ridley, but it's it's certainly not a guarantee. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. We also saw Philip Dorsett get hurt today. Looks like that was prob- probably a concussion. Uh, so that, that kind of supports your idea, Dan, that we could see uh, Harry get a shot to to succeed this year as well. A couple of other trades that I thought were slam dunks. Nikhil Harry in a second for Allen Robinson. Uh, Nikhil Harry and Jaden McKissick for Curtis Samuel and a second rounder. And Nikhil Harry and Cole Beasley for Robert Woods. So I'm taking mm-hmm. the Harry side on every single one of those. Yeah, it seems like there's still a window that's open. I don't know if he's available in your league, but again, like we said early in the podcast... It starts with just a ask. You got to find out if he's available first. Make that opening offer. Maybe you can steal Nikhil Harry before that breakout happens. Matt, you had the Jets over the Redskins, thirty-four to seventeen. You want to talk about a veteran here as well? Yeah, this one's real easy. We've had the Jets just this roller coaster of a season with them. Lose to Miami, who we thought was really the worst team in the league, and now they've they've resurfaced again this week. Uh, Sam Darnold had another nice game, uh, I guess, this week against the Redskins, and uh, Le'Veon Bell had an okay game: eighteen carries, fifty-nine yards, and a touchdown. Two catches for thirty-three yards. Uh, while the Jets look good and and the, the people are thinking that maybe there is some hope again for this offense I think it's time to go ahead and sell him get out for any first that's happened multiple times in the trade finer uh, six that I counted just in the last couple of weeks uh, straight up for a 2020 first I'm happy to do that uh, if I if I'm not needing him for a for the stretch run here for a for a playoff contender uh, Calvin Ridley I'm sure you'd like to do that Dan if you could move Le'Veon for for Calvin Ridley I'm sure you do that and then the aforementioned uh, Nikhil Harry in a second uh, you could get for Le'Veon Bell. So uh, I'm happy to get out at this point. And again, like unless I really, really need him, he does have these 
you know, on paper matchups coming up that look good for the fantasy playoffs. But we've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. I've been recommending buying these guys over the last couple of weeks. But I think now is is maybe the last chance we're going to get to get a, a first round pick for Le'Veon Bell uh, right now. So if you're still waiting for that trade deadline to happen, go ahead and, and get out if you can, I think. I couldn't agree more, Matt. I In the DLF staff league, our, our league here uh, at Dynasty League Football, I sent Le'Veon Bell out on a fringe playoff team, sent him out for a future first, sent Edelman out for a future first, and uh, just pretty much set myself up for next year. Looking forward to that in the in the in the coming months for sure. But I, I, I have those same hesitations, those same worries. Uh, I'm concerned that that Bell, who's who's also up there in age for sure, uh, he's he's on the tipping point, and in that offense. I, I'd rather have that future first. I liked all those deals that you mentioned there as well. Guys, I had the Saints and the Buccaneers. The Saints doubled up the Bucs 34 to 17. And I kind of took the easy way out in this one. There wasn't really an obvious guy to talk about. I think I talked about Alvin Kamara a couple weeks ago when we were doing our predictions, mid-season predictions episode. Uh, He came back last week and he was all right. Shared that backfield with Murray. The usage seems to be getting more towards what we expect out of Kamara. 13 carries, 75 yards, 10 catches for 47 on 10 targets. So in PPR leagues, he was he, he was a big-time contributor. He had a touchdown and a couple of other big plays in the passing game called back because of holding go- calls. Thank you very much, Jared Cook. Um, I think he's about to do Christian McCaffrey type things to finish up the season. They're going to start relying on him. They got beat last week by the Falcons. They got embarrassed by the Falcons. And it seems like Sean Payton went to, to the, into his little room at his desk and said, what do we have to do to fix this on offense? We can't play the worst defense in the league and not have an offensive touchdown in the game. What's the fix for that? We have a cheat code. His name's Alvin Kamara. Uh, recent trades, Nikhil Harry, a 2021st and a 2023rd. For Alvin Kamara, two 2020 firsts and a 2021 first, so three firsts. The Devin Singletary and a first and a second. Straight up for Mike Evans. These are the kind of kind of things you have to pay to get Alvin Kamara. I think he's worth the three firsts, guys. Uh, I'd love to gauge your interest, Ryan. Uh, Kamara's been one of my favorite players since he came into the league. So in general, I agree with your assessment of buying him. I do think his... He's lost just just a hair of value due to that injury and and a couple of um, kind of subpar games for uh, subpar at least for him. But now now Matt has me thinking. You know maybe maybe McCaffrey and Kamara and even Barkley, although Barkley I guess is not not near that second contract range yet. But but Kamara and and McCaffrey both are and Dalvin Cook is as well. Maybe. Maybe this offseason we consider selling those guys rather than buying. I don't know why, and maybe it's just because they're still producing. Maybe it's totally recency bias, but not as much Kamara for me personally, but especially McCaffrey and to a lesser extent Kamara. They feel like different, like they could have safer long-term value just because of their ability to be just a receiver. And I know we just said the same thing about David Johnson, right? He could do the same thing, you know, previously the best receiving back in the league. But I don't know. The body types are a little bit different, I think, and and, and just the way they, they carry themselves and kind of avoid those big hits, I think, are a little bit different than David Johnson. Uh, they're a little bit uh, shiftier and able to avoid contact a little bit bigger, not necessarily trying to look at to run over somebody uh, like David Johnson in the past, not so much current David Johnson. So, 
even though we just said that, I, I feel like those two guys specifically, and, and I guess add Barkley in there too for his receiving ability. I feel like those guys are a little bit different, uh, and I might try to hold on a little, a little longer. But you're right, Kamara's coming up. He's got two years left, right? So uh, next year, maybe, maybe after next year is the year to get out on him. Yeah, just 24 years old. In fact, turned 24 right before the season. So a little farther away from that age 28 season that we talked about a little bit as well. Um, I'm not as worried about it, but I can see where people would have, have a little bit of hesitation quickly, guys. I want to say if I'd have had that 49ers game, I would have wanted to talk about Debo Samuel because he was so impressive in that game. And there were multiple times he caught the ball, both close to the line of scrimmage and downfield broke tackles, wiggled free. And he reminded me of Elvin Kamara so much. He has a lot of that same skill set, but farther down the field, Man, I'd be buying that guy. Eight catches, 10 targets, 134 yards, and looked like a number one wide receiver out there. Love me some Debo Samuel. Should have been picking him at the end of the first round this past <laughs> offseason because I liked him, just wasn't willing to pay the price. Instead, I have a lot of Paris Campbell on my teams. Bengals, Raiders, Ryan, you had this one. Bengals couldn't quite get that first win. Who do you want to talk about on that roster? I want to talk about one of the Bengals, uh, wide receiver Tyler Boyd. We've seen him struggle the past uh, past month, past five weeks especially. He's the wide receiver 51 over the past five weeks. That's actually entering week 11. Uh, he's going to be even lower than that after all the numbers come in because he only caught one pass today for no yardage uh but on the season again entering this week he's still the wide receiver 20 so we we've seen that production from him i don't think last year's breakout was a fluke i do think it's been a product of their overall poor offense the the quarterback change has certainly not been a good thing for any anyone uh really on the entire offense but certainly not the pass catchers and we're seeing the the price drop for tyler boyd uh, Boyd and Traquan Smith for Darius Geis is a recent trade. Tyler Boyd for Dante Pettis and two second rounders uh, is another recent one. And Boyd for Ronald Jones and Brian Hill. Those are all trades from the past week, uh, week or so. And those are all trades that I would do to acquire Tyler Boyd and whoever they draft in the first round uh, will certainly be an upgrade over Andy Dalton and over Ryan Finley. So I think this is, this is a buy for 2020 and beyond. Yeah. I like that true buy low to end the show on I guess we're right up against it, fellas. So for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. This has been the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. I think we got to sell him, right? I think we got to sell him, but I don't. Did I say Zach Rudolph? I don't know what I, say. <laughs> I, I would sell Zach Rudolph for sure. <laughs> Zach Rudolph. Uh, sorry, let me start over. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs>